Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to mini episode 238 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 25th of November 2022 and story number one comes from Morgan. Just to say that this story talks explicitly about suicide and suicidal ideation. It ends at around seven minutes in so if you need to skip it then if you skip past seven minutes you should be absolutely fine. I've been really debating about sharing my experiences as I know some people may not consider them as such. At the time of writing this I'm 19 and in recovery for self-harm and I'm on medication for depression and anxiety. This story means a lot to me because for me it has proven to me that I'm not alone in this world. I found out in 2013 through a letter that my mum had written to me before I was born that my granddad on my father's side had been murdered. I was originally told that he had died of a heart attack when I was a few months old. The letter was never finished and my mum never intended to give it to me. I found the letter when I was cleaning her room one day. It fell, and I can't describe it any other way, as if someone had meant for me to read it. I googled to see if it was true and only saw a single headline which matched my granddad's name, age and around the time that he passed away. To say life got even harder was an understatement. I was a mess. And that night I fell asleep crying and had the most vivid dream I have ever had. In my dream, I was almost a third person view, just close enough to see but I couldn't hear anything. I saw a large brown haired man stamp on my granddad's chest and watched as he essentially drowned from the impact. I knew it was in a toilet from the tiles around them. I woke up shaken and terrified. The morning after I decided to try and calm myself by reading into what had happened and checking to see if it was true. I found a second article that was published the week after his death that stated the cause. I didn't see this article the day before as I was too upset to even look further into it. My granddad was attacked in the toilets of a nightclub by a man who repeatedly stamped on his head and chest. He died from a pulmonary embolism, also known as fluid, in the lungs. He drowned in his own blood. I sat in pure shock, confused and feeling sick to my stomach. I'd somehow dreamt the exact way my granddad had been killed before actually knowing how he died. Don't get me wrong, I was shitting myself, but chalked it up to a very accurate and overactive imagination. In 2018, I was 15 and not in a good place. At this point in my life, I was set on ending my time here. I had everything planned out to a T, 
and I was not aware of anything else by the fact that I wanted to end my suffering. I would like to add now that four years later, I know this was not the answer, and suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I had letters written out ready to be found by people I loved, and in the time running up to my attempt I kept losing these letters. I would leave them in my drawer, and they would turn up under my pillow, I'd hide them in a book, they'd end up under my bed. I genuinely felt like someone was trying to piss me off, or now, as I see it, save me from myself. I placed an old crystal I'd been given, and the hiding stopped. It came to the night where I attempted an overdose in March of 2018, aged 15. That night will forever stay with me as it gave me a new sense of living. I was very out of it and felt incredibly ill. I was on the bottom bunk, so my lights were strung through the slats of my sister's bunk. I remember laying underneath them and for the first time in years feeling this sense of calm and safety. Although my eyes were closed, I felt someone sit on my bed and I for sure thought it was my dad. I could feel that it was a heavier weight, but they didn't say anything. It was when someone took my hand and squeezed it three times that I opened my eyes to no one but me in my room. I sat up and sat forwards and for whatever reason I felt this overwhelming sadness. I couldn't stop crying and I felt so much pain in my chest that it was practically burning. I felt the bed dip again, but this time behind me, as if I was sat between someone's legs. I felt safe as I cried. Whatever it was didn't want to hurt me any more than how hurt I already was. I felt a weight on my back, almost as if someone was soothing me, rubbing my back ever so slightly. Albeit this could be chalked up to the fact that I had a considerable amount of paracetamol in my body, but the next part is what I feel changed my perception. I remember laying down under the light and feeling this panic. Something was telling me to get up and move, so I did. I laid on the other side of my bed, which I never did as I hated the feeling of switching ends. I woke up in the night and threw up around five times. When my mum came in, my first thought was to grab the letters, but when I went to do so, they weren't there. After she had helped me clean myself up, I got back into bed and there were the letters neatly stacked under my pillow, with the crystal sat next to them. A week after this evening, everything came out. My mental health, the attempt, and the self-harm were all out in the open. My dad held my hand and rubbed my back as I cried, and I asked him why he did that. He looked confused, but said that's what Grandad used to do to him and his sister when they were sad. He would squeeze their hand three times, one time for I another for love, and the last for you. I felt my whole body go cold. I then thought I would ask if he ever sat behind them. He said no, and I left it at that. In October, on my sister's birthday, she got upset when my dad sat down in front of her. The last time anyone saw my granddad before he was killed, he was sat on the floor with my sister behind him, putting bobbles in his hair. He was between her legs while she played, and then they swapped so she was between his legs while he played with her hair. She said he always sat like this with his grandchildren so that they could be closer. That position always soothed them. I went upstairs and said thank you. That was the day I began my recovery, and I burnt those letters. And ever since then, when I see a Robin, I say thank you and pass the message on that I'm not giving up anytime soon, Grandad. 
firstly, Morgan, a massive kudos to you for being so open and honest about your mental health journey because a lot of people don't talk about it and it's very important to be able to talk about these things as openly and candidly as you can because I I do think it really helps other people when other people hear that somebody else is going through these things they don't feel as alone and I'm also glad that you are receiving the help and the intervention that you need because that's an incredibly brave thing to do. I know that you said that you felt like the information about your grandfather, the dream about your grandfather who died in that horrifically brutal and violent way that you believed it was, you know, just an overactive imagination or whatever. I understand your your thinking that, oh, it's just an overactive imagination or wanting to believe that. But it's a very, very specific thing to dream about. When you think that somebody has been murdered that sort of violent death, that very particular type of violent death is not what you would immediately think of. I mean, I haven't been in that position, so I don't know what anybody's first thought would be or dream would be in that scenario. But I, I just feel like it's a, it's just so specific. And I'm so sorry that you went through all of that. It sounds like it was a really harrowing experience to get to that point in your mental health where you feel like the only option is to not be alive anymore. But it really does sound like your granddad was looking out for you. That's what it sounds like. That he was there. He was trying to protect you in the first place. And then was there when you needed it most. And it's really, I, I'm incredibly sad and sorry that you went through all that. But it is also a beautiful story. And I am very glad that you are here to tell that story. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And story number two comes from Kai. I have a short story about something that happened recently. I've written in once before. I am the girl who almost followed my mam's boyfriend lookalike into a room, which was then proven not to be him, just in time to stop myself from following the shadow. This story isn't as detailed, but I have no idea how to debunk it. And yes, Emma, I know you'll blame this on my anxiety because this encounter led me to have a full-blown panic attack. My first one in around five years but I have never seen a full-body figure looking straight at me. So I was in Limerick with my boyfriend. We had just spent the day in Ennis getting tattoos. 
Don't ask why we were staying in Limerick just to get tattoos and Claire. Anyway, we had a long day so we planned to get to bed early. I felt off since getting to the hotel we were staying in with no real explanation why. Because we were both exhausted, it didn't take long for my boyfriend to fall asleep. I, on the other hand, no matter how hard I tried, could not sleep. I felt uneasy like I couldn't stay still and just relax. I had been up and back from the toilet a couple of times as I thought I was going to get sick. At one stage, I thought, okay, get over yourself, just lie down, close your eyes and you'll eventually fall asleep. That only lasted five minutes before I got up again thinking I would definitely throw up this time. I was already in a dark room with only the little bit of light coming in from between partially opened curtains. So one, there was a small bit of light for me to identify what and where things were in the room and two, my eyes were well adjusted to the darkness at this point. As I got up to head to the toilet on the other side of the hotel room, I turned to check on my sleeping boyfriend as I got to the bathroom door to make sure I hadn't woken him up. And there, standing in front of his sleeping body, in front of the window, was a figure around my height, five foot two inches. I looked for a long minute thinking there is no way. Then I started to panic. I turned on the bathroom light and opened the door and that's when it disappeared. The rest of the night I had one of the worst panic attacks of my life. Kai, if I was in that position and I turned around and I saw a figure that was around my height, standing in front of the window over my sleeping boyfriend, let me I'd have a panic attack too. Okay? I would absolutely have a panic attack. I'd probably wreck the room. I'd be like smashing things out of sheer fright. And I know, I know I can be a sceptical bitch when I'm doing main episodes, but I'm not going to judge anybody's story. It's not going to happen. If somebody takes the time to send me in a story... I am not going to judge that story and I'm not going to turn around and say I'm dismissing your story because it's just anxiety. Your story is just as valid as anybody else's whether you're stressed or not at the time and equally whether you respond in a in an anxious way afterwards. I would love to know if there was any history to the hotel that you were staying in and whether or not there had been other reports of sightings or stories from that hotel or even that hotel room. Because I think hotels are weird spaces. Weird things happen in hotels. I think people would probably be surprised at how many deaths actually occur in hotels on a regular basis. And story number three comes from Mackenzie. I wanted to gather together a small group of my best friends to attend my hen party prior to my wedding. I wanted to do something really different to the traditional hen party that people attend. As someone who loves a good ghost story, I decided to plan a private ghost tour around the Q station in Sydney. The site was built in 1895 and is Australia's longest continuously operating quarantine station. Migrants left their homelands and were quarantined upon arrival. Diseases, including the Spanish influenza, smallpox and the bubonic plague, had infected the people arriving in Sydney. As a result, there is unmarked graves on site, sparking many sightings. My friends flew in from Brisbane, my hometown. We booked two small cabins to stay in after the tour. We met our tour guide at the bottom of the site, close to the water and she introduced us to the site. 
We started off in one of the small shipping containers. The guide asked us to stand in the dark together for five minutes to begin to get a feel of the sight, to strengthen our senses. This was one of the first ghost tours my friends had attended and I was keen to show my friends around the site, having completed the tour once before and feeling uneasy in multiple rooms. One of my friends on the tour was pregnant at the time. In the shipping container, she said that she felt the hand of a small child holding hers. We did not have any children on the tour, only adults. The little girl then moved away after the guide opened the door of the shipping container and turned on the lights. My friend just gave birth to a baby girl. We headed off to the many other buildings on the site, including the nurses' quarters on top of the hill of the site. People have mentioned sightings of the matron, who will leave you alone if you respect the space. My pregnant friend said that she saw children running around the ward beds, hiding under these and interacting with her. As we entered each room, my friend had different experiences and saw multiple shadows of people, including people whispering in her ear. We finished the tour and headed back to our rooms for the night. I couldn't sleep as I thought someone was in our room. We stayed in the nurse and doctor's living quarters opposite the nursing ward. I was looking through photos a few days later and saw something in the photo I took when we first started the tour. This spot overlooks the water and is quite a lovely sight at night. I zoomed in on the photo and noticed that there was a small figure looking back at us with its eyes fixed directly on me. This figure looks to be a child. I haven't captured anything like this before and could not believe that I had seen this in the photo. I will send you the photo. My friends think it's a retaining wall, but I see a figure. I need to apologise because, Mackenzie, I have looked, I've searched and I cannot find this picture. Usually I'm really good with keeping pictures and stories together and making sure that they get posted at the right time, but I just have not been able to do it. I can't find it. I don't know where I've put it. So Mackenzie, if you are listening, I would really appreciate if you could resend me that picture because then I can post it at a little bit of a later date and at least people will be able to re-listen to the episode if they need to and check out the picture that you sent in. The Q station in Sydney is on my list of places to do a full main episode about. It has such an incredible, fascinating history. And really, like, it's one of those places where there must have been so much energy going on all of the time. So this quarantine station in Sydney where loads of people were going to find a new life or they were being shipped off to Sydney as prisoners. And obviously they were quarantined in this station because of disease, etc, etc. So there would have been illness in there. There would have been a lot of tension, a lot of people being really stressed, frightened, starting a new life, all of those things. So it was a place of really high energy. And it's really interesting that your pregnant friend is the one who had all of the experiences. There was a huge period of time in history where children were just shipped off on their own to new lands, whether it was America, whether it was Australia, wherever it was. And I think America at, at least changed the law at some point to say, actually, no, you can't you can't just ship off unaccompanied children. So I wonder if the energies or whatever of children from the past resonated with the energy of your pregnant friend. Also, great choice for an alternative hen party. I love it. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Morgan, Kai and Mackenzie for sending in your stories. Again, apologies to Mackenzie for losing your picture. Please, if you are listening, send the picture on to me and I can post it at a later date. Remember, if you'd like to send in your story, which hopefully I won't lose, you can send it to Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash Stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you can get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.